When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hey there, I'm Grant Wall, and welcome to the Planet Football Podcast. This week's interview guest is Asif Kapadia, who's the director of the new documentary film, Diego Maradona. While we've got you, make sure to check out Planet Football TV, SI's weekly soccer video series that I co-host with Luis Miguel Echegaray. We've got interviews, debate, and thoughtful opinions on the game we love. That's Planet Football TV. Onward! Our guest today is the film director, Asif Kapadia. His new documentary film, Diego Maradona, is absolutely fantastic, as were his previous documentaries, 2010's Senna on the legendary Formula One driver Ayrton Senna, and 2015's Amy on Amy Winehouse, which won the Academy Award for Best Documentary. The film Diego Maradona focuses on Maradona's years at Napoli, and it opens on September 20th at theaters in New York City and on October 1st on HBO. Asif, congratulations on your film, and thanks for joining me. Thank you. Really, really good to be here. Thanks. Um, We've been wanting to do this for a while. I've been DMing you. I've kind of been DM stalking you on Twitter for a couple of years here. <laughs> I mean, holding you back, holding you back for this moment. For this moment, I wanted you to see the film. Yeah. I mean, when we started talking, I was still editing, still in the process of yeah. making it. And I just thought it'd be much better if we had a conversation after you've seen the movie. And now I have. And I do have an Argentine love uh, of of all things Argentina, including soccer and, and Maradona. And But you don't need to to, to love this movie. Um and I guess what I would say is, just to start here, unlike the movies on Senna and, and Amy Winehouse, you know, Maradona's still alive. What, you know, why did you want to do this film on Maradona? I mean, I'm a, I'm a big football fan. Um, I'm, I've grown up playing it and watching it and kind of loving it. So more than Senna and Amy, um, you know, Maradona's been a part of my life, I guess. Um, I remember very clearly their 82 World Cup when he was like meant to be the best player in the world coming up and he didn't have a good World Cup and he got sent off by an awful kind of tackle and foul against in Brazil match. Um, 86, I remember as an England fan watching it and seeing that all live and how it transpired. 1990, less so, you know, by then he was kind of on his way down. So 
I, I knew about him as a player. I knew about him during the World Cups. I didn't really know about his career in between the World Cups. Mm -hmm. You know, this is back in the time when we didn't have podcasts and there were no, you know, internet sort of websites that could show you clips from every game that's just happened. You read a bit about it. In my case, I'd read books about Maradona. Mm -hmm. It was a great book by uh, Jimmy Burns called Hand of God that yeah. I read. When I was still a student in like 95, 96, I read that. And that was the germ of the idea. That was the moment when I thought, what an amazing life. What an amazing story. Wouldn't it be great one day to, if I could make a film about Diego Maradona? And at the time, I was making short films, short fiction films, still at film school. And so it started back in 1996. And then the project came along after I made Senna. A producer got in touch with me and said, look, there is this material out there. There's this footage that's been filmed about Diego. And I think I can get access to it. But having just made a kind of film about a Brazilian kind of sporting icon, I wasn't ready straight away to do the Argentinian sporting icon. So I did Amy and I did a few other things. And then it felt, OK, maybe the time's right. And it's because he's still alive. It's because it would be different to Senna and Amy that I thought it would be a new challenge. That was the reason. And what is this archive that you were able to access? Because I assume this is the, the mostly Napoli-based stuff. It was, it's incredible. Like, how did you locate it? How did you find so the, it? So the story is that um, Diego Maradona's first agent, first manager, was a guy called Jorge Sisterspiela, mm -hmm. which I'm sure you've come across. The kind of curly perm. He and Diego were this amazing double act when he was young. So Jorge found him. They were friends when they were kids. And he got him his first deal with Argentinos Juniors. And he got him the biggest deal ever when he went to Barcelona. And he broke that deal again when he went to Napoli. So Jorge had this idea back in like 1981, mm -hmm. 81, just before he goes to Barcelona, that Diego's going to be a star. He's going to be a global star. We should make a movie. So he hired two Argentinian cameramen to follow Diego and to film him on the pitch, off the pitch, everywhere he goes, when he goes dancing. And it was on this old video format, Umatic. Okay. And they were shooting. They started in Argentina. They followed him all the way through Barcelona and pretty much most of the Napoli years. Yeah. The film didn't come out. It never happened. They never completed it. Jorge gets fired and um, Guillermo Coppola comes in and takes over the next one. Mm -hmm. Very different character. So what happens is the cameraman must probably never got paid. They go away with all these tapes and it took 25, 30 years for us to hear about these tapes, which were somewhere a batch of tapes outside of Naples, an hour outside of Naples. Um, so my producers hear about it. They go off, they meet with them. We then have to do a deal with Diego Maradona himself um, and his lawyers to get his image rights. Mm -hmm. And that's when we start making a film. So at that point, I've heard about this footage. I've seen a little bit of it. But until we do the deal, I can't really access it. Then we start looking at it and it's hundreds of hours of footage of him, mainly during Napoli, but a lot of Barcelona. We, we end up focusing on the Napoli period because really that's the bit when he becomes the best player in the world. That's when he starts at rock bottom and takes a team that's never won before, never won since, sadly. Um, he makes them win the Scudetto twice, wins the UEFA Cup, wins the World Cup. But a lot of his personal problems start there in Napoli. Mm -hmm. And that's why we ended up making a choice to focus on those years. And that also happens to be where we have the material. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Amazing. I, 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 I'm just wondering what you think about the the connection between Maradona and Naples as a city and what he represented as far as his identity as well. I mean, a big thing about Diego Maradona, and which why he's so fascinating to me and to so many people, is he's a street guy. He's from a really tough part of the kind of outskirts of Buenos Aires, Via Farito. He's from, he's a rough, tough street guy. The way he plays football, the way he lives, the people he hangs out with, they're all street people. So he goes to the ultimate city in Europe in the 80s, Napoli, Naples, is probably one of the most amazing cities, but it's one of the most dangerous, one of the poorest, one of the roughest, highest crime rate. There's a lot of gangsters there. He feels weirdly at home. (laughs) They love him because they need someone to help them beat the North, the racist North at times, you know, the the kind of powerhouse of Juve, Milan, Inter, and even Rome. They all look down on Napoli. And so you've got this guy who's spent his life fighting against the system, fighting against authority, fighting against the power. What a perfect place. They need him. He needs them. So he finds this kind of synergy. He finds a home in Napoli and they win. He takes his team that's never done anything and helps them win. But Napoli is a street place with a lot of street guys. And so that's really where his issues with addiction start. I mean, he's tried drugs before in Barcelona. He talks about it, but that's where it becomes a problem. You know, he he can't go at night because there's people everywhere. Napoli is a very intense place. If you've ever been to it, it's an amazing place. Best food in Italy, but the people are really in your face. And so they kind of suffocate him with love. So he says, I, I can only exist by going out at night now. The people that he hangs out with at <laughs> night are the people that he's going to get in trouble with. So really, that's what the story is about. A lot of people know latter-day Diego Maradona. What the film is about, how did he become the guy that we know as the legend, the mythical Maradona now? Yeah, I mean, early on in this film, there's this dichotomy that comes out where there's Diego, who is this real person, and then there's Maradona, who is this mythical creature for public consumption and was there something about that that really resonated with you yeah you know it was really when when we're doing these films and we researched everything we researched his younger years in argentina everything in barcelona everything that happened subsequently post post naples all the way through to cuba to the present day to you know him being at the 94 world cup etc and what what was interesting was just this idea of sorry give me that question again i got yeah sure on a tangent sure thing Early on in the film, uh, there's this dichotomy that seems to be really important that comes out, that there's Diego, who is this real person, and then there's Maradona, who is this mythical figure for public consumption, who's very different from Diego. So while we're making the film, you're always looking for a story of how do you kind of present this? How do you tell this character's story? With Senna, he had a very obvious external rival, Alain Prost. With Amy, she had lots of people around her that maybe, you know, not always making decisions that were the best for her. What's fascinating about Maradona is that no matter how much research we did, and we did a lot, there was never one single person that somehow led him down a certain direction. He was always the guy in charge. He makes the decisions. But what was going on was maybe there's an internal battle within him. A lot of people I met and who I interviewed would say, 
oh, you know, I wish he'd go back to being that really nice guy he used to be. You know, he used to be such a wonderful, sweet guy, and now he's someone else. And that idea of him almost having like a split personality was mentioned by a lot of people. The person who really nailed it is Fernando Signorini, his personal trainer, who who is amazing, who's a big part of Diego Maradona's life. He's been there right from when he had his kind of ankle break in Barcelona all the way through to even when he was coaching. And Signorini is uh, so eloquent, such a good talker. He knows Diego's body and he knows Diego's mind. And he's not afraid of him. That's the interesting thing. He's not scared of Diego. So he was the one really who nailed it. He said it's almost like there was a split personality. It's almost like he's bipolar. There's this really nice guy, Diego, who I'd do anything with and do anything for. There's his other character, Maradona, who I wouldn't want to walk a step with. And what Diego then says is, yeah, but without Maradona, I'd still be living in a ghetto. I'd still be in a shantytown in the slums. And so he needs this ego to succeed. And really the film's about this kind of balance and this battle between the two sides, the good, the evil, the genius, the cheat. You know, it's like football's a game of two halves. You know, Diego is a character with two halves almost. And what kind of process do you go through? I mean, you've got this amazing archival footage, but... You must go through a tremendously long and involved process to make a film. How does that work for you? So this film took um, about three years for us actually physically making it. And the process started a little bit sooner, but it's three years in the making. And the way I work, the way we work is that I have a brilliant team of researchers who go out and just see what's out there and talk to people, read the books. A lot of the material, the really interesting material is only published in Spanish or in Italian in this case. So having a team who speak the language, going out there and scouting and meeting people. And then I go and I interview and I do audio interviews, much like what we're doing here. Mm -hmm. So I don't take a camera generally. I just want to talk to people and hear what the story is. And then I cross-reference everything that they say with the material that's coming in visually. So we start editing as we're doing the research and we start doing interviews. Now, the difference in this film was we knew that we had this cache of footage that had been shot for Diego. So we had that material. In itself, it's great if you're a fan, but in itself, it doesn't have a story. So you have to understand the meaning of what's really going on. What are we trying to say here? So there were various trips to Buenos Aires and to Napoli and to Rome and various places. I also had access to Diego himself. So we were part of the deal was I'd have three interviews with him, each interview of three hours in length. So nine hours in total, uh, which for me is not a lot. When I make my documentaries, often I talk to people a lot more, but nine hours. okay, fine. I went to Dubai where he was living. So I interviewed him. Um, funnily enough, his attention span is about 90 minutes. So even <laughs> it's actually more than I would have expected. <laughs> yeah. So, but there's a but building like the up. Game. Yeah, there's a building up and then there's a kind of peak and then it kind of tails off. Now, depending on the day that we went, sometimes he was in a good frame of mind. Sometimes he had a good, good level of energy. Sometimes he was quite tired and he sounded like, you know, he was on medication or something. So it was quite low and you're not, you know, this isn't going to work. But whenever you hear his voice in the movie, that's essentially from the interviews that I did with him in Buenos Aires. So all of this is happening at the same time. In total, I did about 80 interviews on this film. Mm. We had thousands of hours of archive footage that we went through. You know, we had a cut that was over five hours in length, which gradually Chris King, the brilliant editor that I worked with, who he and I worked to kind of cut it down, cut it down, cut it down in order to make the kind of two hour movie that eventually we end up with. You've already sort of answered, I think, one of the questions I had, which is back in 2010, I got assigned by Sports Illustrated magazine to write a story on Maradona. He was the Argentina coach uh, for that World Cup, somewhat disastrously in the end. Um, And... He literally asked me in writing, or his guy, for 100,000 euros limpios, which I guess meant tax-free, 
apparently like in a suitcase or something. I don't know. But um, and uh, yeah, that interview didn't happen in the end, unfortunately. Like, I guess my question is, if you're working with him on this and part of this was for image rights and there was a deal that was done. So interviews happened. What sort of an obligation do you feel to him as a result of that? And is there any part of you that's like, I hope he likes this? Really good question. Really, really interesting question because that's the difference, I guess, at the beginning when you're working on a film where the person is this iconic character and they're still alive. The I would jump to the end of the answer, which is he still hasn't seen it. So you have seen it before Diego Maradona has. So what's fascinating is you'd think that people would be like interested, right? When I made Senna, the Senna estate wanted to see the film. When I made Amy, Amy's estate wanted to see the film. And we had a conversation. We didn't always agree on everything, but they wanted to see it. When you're dealing with Diego Maradona... We tried many times to show him the film. He's like, I don't know if he's not bothered. I don't know if he's like, doesn't even know I exist. I don't know if he knows the film is out there or if he's afraid of seeing the film. You know, I'd leave it to you. It could be a bit of everything. But he was always a bit too busy to make time to watch it. So the end of it is the film that you have seen and that the audience will see is something that he himself hasn't seen yet. I'm planning to go to Buenos Aires in a couple of weeks to show it to him again. I've now got to the stage where I'm thinking like, I would love him to see it because I think it's important he sees it. But yeah. if he doesn't want to see it and if he's not interested, that's fine as well. Because the film exists. The film is about him. I think I've tried my best to be honest. It's tough at times on him. And not many people have been able to go to the places that I go to with the film. And the things that he says to me in our interviews, he's never really said before. So what I have done is shown the film to Fernanda Signorini, his ex-wife, his children. I've shown it to Daniel Acucci, who you know, who's yeah. uh, his biographer. All these people are know Diego really well and have been with him for years, decades. They've all said the film's straight up and honest, but they also say it's tough, you know, and it goes into things. It shows how brilliant he is, but it also shows some of the problems and the issues which he hasn't always necessarily talked about or dealt with. Diego's the kind of guy, something happens, he moves on to the next town. He never looks back and he'll go there and he'll become a new hero and something will go wrong. There'll be a bit of a disaster and he'll just move on to the next town. So our film's about trying to get him to look back at something that happened in the past, which he's not someone who does that very easily. You got him to talk about drug use, infidelity, um, the connections he had with the mob bosses of Napoli. Did you have to push hard to get him there? Yeah, I wouldn't say I did all of this on the first interview. <laughs> you just come <laughs> right took a couple. Yeah, I mean, the first interview, I was just like, you know, I heard this footage was filmed because your first, you know, your agent, Jorge, he, um, hired, he's, don't bring him up. I don't want to hear about that guy. I never want to hear. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. So then I'd bring up like his ex-wife, um, Claudia, who was a big part of his life. And, you know, mm-hmm. his girlfriend, they have children. Do not bring her up. She did this to me. I'm like, okay. So my list of kind of, these were the easy questions. I'm like, I'm not going to do the other ones yet. <laughs> So then it was like, let's talk about your parents, talk about where you come from. Then he felt much more comfortable. So talking about his mum and his dad and his siblings, all of that was a good way of opening him up. So there were definitely times when he got angry with me. Um, but, you know, he talks about the hand of God. He talks about various times in his life. It, that's my job, I suppose, is to eventually get him to the place where he does deal with some of the issues. Getting him to open up and go deep is not easy. And particularly for me, I don't speak Spanish, so I've got to work with a translator. Um, but I don't bring a crew. I don't bring a camera. He didn't bring an entourage. So when we did get there and we sat on his sofa in Dubai, 
the first time I went there, he was watching Boca on TV while was. I was interviewing him. <laughs> and it was like, when he went to the restroom, I turned the volume off because I was like, this is weird. I'm trying to interview him and he's watching football. Um, I did play football with Diego Maradona, by the way. I've got to say that, yeah. Nice. That was not bad. So it, it took a while to build up the trust and the relationship, but eventually he did talk. But then, since then, once he's kind of gone away, I don't know if he remembers the process. I don't know if he remembers hmm. me because the kind of film that I do, until you see it, I don't think people understand what I'm doing, you know. Do you know what I mean? If you, it's a really unusual kind of process if people... He's seen Senna. He, yeah. he really likes Senna. He's a big fan of the guy and he loved the movie and then he watched Amy and I think maybe watching Amy also made him huh. a little bit nervous. Okay. Um, and he knows, generally, he knows who I've spoken to for the film but he's not been in a rush to watch it and I'm hoping I'm going to do that in a couple of weeks. Okay. And your films, for people who haven't seen them, they tend not to have talking heads, um, voiceover narration from some voice of God or things like that. Why do you choose not to do that? I mean, my background in, in originally is in making movies. I come from a fiction film background. So when I was given the opportunity to do Senna, which is the first of these three docs that I've done, I looked at it and I had a lot of time to think while we were waiting for the deals between Bernie Eccleston, the Senna family, working title, Universal. I mean, there were a lot of people there who had a lot uh, kind of on the table. So they were all arguing amongst themselves. So I spent a lot of time just looking at Senna's footage, ripping things off YouTube just to see what the story was and to do my research. And I just had this moment, this kind of instinctive feeling saying, the movie's all there. There's a way of telling this story like a movie where I just show you in the present and somehow Ayrton Senna will narrate his life story, even though I can't meet him and interview him. And because I can't meet him and interview him, I don't want the film to be created from interviews of Alain Prost, his greatest rival, or Nigel Mansell or Nelson Piquet. So the idea became, how can I do this in such a way where you forget you're watching it like a doc? It feels real, but it's very dramatic, but it is using real footage. So that was the kind of first film where I played with that idea. I did interviews, many of them on camera, but I chose not to use the camera footage of them. So you never cut to somebody now looking old and then cut back to them looking young. Maybe there's an issue with me. I like everyone being young but, and in their prime, but that's the kind of instinctive feeling. And then I carried that on with Amy, where the idea was just to t let her tell the story through her music and through her lyrics and to be with her. And it, I think it makes it much more visceral, much more emotional, and you just get engaged. And sometimes, the f technically, the footage isn't perfect, right? But it sounds good. And I want people to see these movies as much as possible on a big screen or see them l and hear them loudly. So Maradona's a continuation of that because I, everyone, most people, if you know about him, you think of kind of a guy who became quite obese and he's out of shape and he's got an addiction issue and he's kind of they think he's funny. I'm like, he was an amazing footballer. You have to see him in his prime. And we've got these tapes. Because, because they were his personal cameramen, they were on the side of the pitch filming him. Yeah. So you've got to remember, the 1980s, Italian football was one big wide-angle shot from the top of the stadium. Huh. You know, they didn't have 50 cameras like we have now. So it's quite hard to do football at the time when you've only got wide shots. So we had this footage of him on the pitch. We have him arriving at the stadium when he gets announced. We're in the car. We're in his home. So the idea of being really, really close to him, for me, makes it much more cinematic, much more like a movie. So that's always my intention, is to get people who don't like football to see the film about Maradona people who don't like documentaries to go and watch something about really interesting characters they're really interesting characters that deserve to be on the big screen or to have movies made about them 
one thing that stood out to me, and I follow soccer and, and Maradona's history closely, is he and Napoli won the 89-90 Italian League title, and he freely admits to you that basically every week from Sunday night to Wednesday night, he was on a bender and really addicted at that point and would somehow recover in time for the Sunday game and they win the league. How was he able to do that? I do not know. But yeah, I mean, that's kind of one of the revelatory kind of sequences is actually when I get to the stage, where I say, just explain to me, you're saying that, you know, you had an issue with cocaine, with drugs. But when was this? Was this, you know, after you finished playing? It was like, no, it was while he was playing. I knew because Signorini and a lot of people had told me he had a problem. What I didn't, I was like, so how could you function? You know, uh, eventually I'm like, well, just give me a, how does a typical week work? And he tells us in the film, you know, we played a game on Sunday. We'd go out for a meal. Monday, Tuesday, I'd party. Wednesday, I'd be out and then I'd start detoxing and then I'd start running and i sweat it all off. So his body shape, he'd put on all his weight during the week. He's, I've never seen anyone like it. And then he would run and run and run Thursday, Friday. And then by Saturday, he looked like, one of the best footballers in the world again and then he'd play and he'd do it again and again now obviously you can't sustain that you can't sustain that so by the following year he's a mess and you look at his body shape you look at his face and you look at his body during the length of the film seven years in Naples and you see him looking young and bright eyed and you know fresh faced and with a beautiful smile when he arrives and he's pretty broken by the time he leaves he looks like a different person entirely. So he can function for a time. And I think by 1990, the Napoli team was much stronger. They had some great players. You know, they had Kareka and Alamau and various other players they had. So they supported him. And I think they were just happy that him being around gave him confidence. He didn't really even train with them anymore. But that doesn't last. And you're going to blow, you know, and that's what happens. Absolutely incredible considering the demands that the sport of football puts on you. Um, one thing I've always had a challenge with when I write soccer stories for Sports Illustrated magazine, even more so maybe 15 years ago than today, because there's more sophisticated soccer fans in the U.S. now, but still even now, is to tell stories about soccer for an American mainstream audience that will be enjoyed by soccer fans who follow the sport closely and the sort of mainstream American sports person who may just watch the World Cup but not a lot of other soccer. And I'm wondering how, when you do this movie, which is, I think, going to get a lot of interest in mainstream America, are you thinking about that? Obviously, you're thinking of a global audience, but how do you tell a story for, for those different audiences? I guess, I guess my aim is, you know, people may have heard of Maradona. They may not have heard of Maradona, but, you know, he is one of the greatest footballers of all time. He's up there with Pele. People know who Pele is. Well, Pele, in my kind of life I guess is of a kind of black and white generation he never came to Europe he did come to the US but he never played in Europe Maradona is the link between Pele and Messi and Ronaldo Maradona is the kind of analog guy who was the best footballer in the world no dispute who took an ordinary Argentina team and won the World Cup he went to a team that has never won a championship in Italy which was the toughest league in the world and I would say probably the toughest league that's ever been, considering every great player played somewhere in Italy at the time, when there was really rough and tough tackling. You know, the football is not the kind of football now. 
and he won in Italy. So he is the guy that is, if you know about football, you need to know about Diego Maradona. And if you don't know about football, his story off the pitch is just as fascinating because, you know, the way I, when I make these documentaries, Senna was like an all-action hero. Amy's a musical. Maradona, Diego Maradona is a bit of a gangster film. I mean, we're talking about, if you've seen the series Camorra, you know, that Camorra, that's, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about people who are you know, street guys. One of them happens to be a great soccer player, a great footballer, but it's really about everything that goes on in his life off the pitch, family-wise and kind of like his relationships and friends and kind of being in. So his his story is interesting because he was brilliant, but it's also the fact that he was brilliant and he led this kind of life in the evening <laughs> after matches. Um, and I think that's what makes him so fascinating for people around the world. We're winding down here with Asif Kapadia. He's the director of the new documentary film, Diego Maradona, which is absolutely fantastic and you should see. Um, a couple more questions for you here um, as we finish up. One of them being, Maradona was one of the most heavily covered figures globally in the media of the past century. And I'm wondering now that you've had this intimate connection with his story, what about him do you think is most maybe misunderstood through what we've seen of him in so much media coverage elsewhere over the years? I think I think a lot of the media coverage will have focused on the icon, the myth, what, who he became after he was a successful footballer. And really what I wanted to do was just to remind you how brilliant he was and to show you, you know, his body shape. He doesn't look like an athlete. No one has ever looked quite like Diego Maradona. Um, and the reason why I guess people like Messi and Ronaldo can score 50 goals a season is because people like Diego Maradona existed and played and were fouled and had their ankles broken and were, you know, kicked so that their bodies are a mess by the time they got to early 30s. You know, a, a, he was a top scorer in Italy um, in 1989. I think he scored 15 goals. That's how hard <laughs> it was to score in Italy. Now, if, you know, Messi scores less than 40, he's had a bad season. But that's the kind of football he was playing in. So I guess he's he's really interesting, really fascinating because of, the kind of things that he did and he achieved. And I think that's, he was, he's a special guy, very charismatic. Um, and he's a kind of, I don't know, he just, he just needs to be seen to be believed because there's no one really quite like him. I do come away from this film almost wondering how many World Cups Maradona could have won had he not sort of abused his body. He says that himself. He's like, you know, just imagine how good I could have been if I didn't have an issue with drugs and addiction. And that's the truth. But I just don't think you can separate them. You know, you've got to have Diego and you're going to have Maradona. That's him. No matter where he went, no matter where he played, he always went out. He always said to the people who ran the team or his coaches, I'll train when I want and how I want. You know, no one tells me what to do. And I just think he's he's interesting also because he's a genuine character. He's very charismatic. There are a lot of great players that have come after him. Some of them are quite boring. And what's interesting about Diego Maradona is even though he obviously has a massive self-belief, he was always a team player, right? He was always about the team. It's not about how many goals he gets and it's not about what his body looks like. He was willing in the World Cup final in 86 to sacrifice himself, play deeper so that the Germans had three people on him so that someone else could score and score the winning goal as long as they won collectively. And I think that's what's really interesting. He's all about the collective, even though he obviously has a massive self-belief. Um, he's just different to all the other guys. And I think he's really special. And I think he, 
what I really want to show people is he's got a pretty bad reputation in recent years. And I, I think he was not always like that, particularly people who have an issue with drugs and addiction. There's a reason why they become like that, but they're not always like that. It's very similar in a way. Diego Maradona is part Ayrton Senna and part Amy Winehouse. You know, he has this bravado. He has this kind of ego, this macho, but he's actually really vulnerable. And at times you see him in a film looking quite lost and a bit like a child. And I think that's one of the things about these athletes are actually quite young when they become really successful. In Naples, he gets elevated to godlike status, you know, which is great on one hand, but actually wasn't good for him. It's not healthy. That's where all the problems begin. When no one says no, they give you everything. They let you live in a very extreme life. That's gonna, there's going to be a come down. So it's kind of a bit of a warning as well about letting someone get away with everything. I'm not going to let you leave here without asking you as a Liverpool fan if you think this is the season they're going to win the league. Oh, boy. I, I, you know, we, we, we have a great coach. Jurgen Klopp is amazing. He's the best signing we've made in 30 or something years. He has great taste, great players. I love the way we're playing. Um, but we are up against a beast, you know, with Pep and Man City. And I would be remiss not to say, you know, if they are breaking rules of financial <laughs> fair play, then I hope the authorities bring them down and ban them or do something and don't give them like, you know, a little pocket money fine. All journalists know that they have been breaking rules <laughs> and everyone knows they should be banned from the Champions League but weirdly enough that ban hasn't happened we tell were, me I'm wrong we were doing fine on this podcast until our lawyers will now have to get involved because City's going to come after us am I wrong? <laughs> I am very curious to see what happens with uh, UEFA's uh, decision making process because I heard this was meant to come out last May Yeah, and people have been waiting all summer Milan got a ban, didn't they? But they waited until Milan were not in the Champions League to give them a ban from the Champions League. But, you know, this is money and politics. <laughs> I like the way you're not laughing. <laughs> but, you know, I've, I've spoken to a lot of journalists and, I've, and we, we, as a lot of us who pay a lot of attention because we lost the league by two points, I think, in 2014 and City were accused of breaking financial fair play rules in 2014. We lost the league by point last year to a team everyone saying <laughs> broke the rules of financial fair play <laughs> and so i'm interested to know whether the authorities do anything about it so you're saying quiet man so you're saying your next film is on pep guardiola no i'm just interested <laughs> i'm interested in i'm interested in you know i love sport yeah. i love football i love all sport but i'm also interested in the politics of sport and what goes on behind the scenes and you know i'm interested in kind of unusual spikes in success that happen in different sports and in different countries and you think that's kind of interesting where do they come from suddenly to be so brilliant and there's always you know some smoke when and fire somewhere in the background i'm just interested i'm just asking you're the journalist as i told you i have a trip to uh, to england planned before too long here to do some reporting so uh, i'll get back to you on that one do you think they're going to get done in any way i doubt it personally do you think they were found guilty of doping Financially, um, I think it's certainly possible based on what we've seen from reports. But um, yeah, I, I just I love how the tables have turned here, and I'm being interviewed. But um, I just don't see City being banned from Champions. And is that it's interesting, isn't it? Because there are there are t players out there who are stars, and so we know people watch because certain players are playing. There are coaches out there who are stars. So would it ever be in the interest of the sporting authorities to ban their stars? Maradona got banned for a, a year and a half, right? I think it's the longest ban that any football player has ever had for recreational drugs. Still? Yeah. Incredible. 
And that's what happened. You know, he, he, he went out at his peak. I mean, he was in trouble. He was in a bad way right then. And this is part of our story. It's like, I don't know if he ever came back to be yeah. a great player ever again. He had the odd individual moment, but he never reached the heights again. I was in the stands at the 94 World Cup when he scored against Greece and ran like a maniac to the camera to celebrate. One of the highlights of my my career as a fan, but uh, you've had a wonderful film that you've done here. Thank you so much, Asif Kapadia. The film is called Diego Maradona. Pleasure to talk to you. Thanks, Grant. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Planet Football Podcast. I'd like to thank Asif Kapadia as well as producer Brandon Nix and everyone at Sports Illustrated who supports this podcast. Remember to check out Planet Football TV, SI's weekly soccer video series that I co-host with Luis Miguel Echegaray. We've got interviews, debate, and thoughtful opinions on the game we all love. That's Planet Football TV. See you next time.